We would certainly like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9, of course, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we have, of course, a whole bevy of great uh, musicians and music to play for you this evening for three hours plus. And uh, later on in the show, um, coming into the studio, I expect is a young man by the name of Jeff Lieberman, who has produced a movie on the life of the great singer, civil rights activist, and uh, unbelievable personality in the best sense of the word. And I'm talking about Nina Simone and um, Jeff uh, Lieberman has produced this uh, film, documentary film, on uh, Nina Simone and her um, very, very interesting life. So I'm expecting him a little later on in the show, but of course um, we have, as I said, all kinds of music to play for you this evening, but our jazz feature is always the most, one of the most important parts of our program. And This is uh, an interesting band because it was formed by two leaders from two different generations, and um, they both happen to be good friends of mine. Uh, One has unfortunately passed away, but the other is still very much alive. The band was led by, I think, one of the real geniuses of jazz music living today. I'm talking about vibist Bobby Hutcherson. And the other person in the band is one of the most distinctive tenor saxophonists in jazz, the late, great Harold Land. Both from two different generations. Hutcherson was actually about uh, a dozen or so years younger than Harold Land. But what happened with Bobby Hutcherson, of course, was that he was born in, in Pasadena on January 28, 1941. And uh, as a very, very young man, he was a child prodigy, really. And uh, he was uh, unbelievable. He was playing when he was just a young man, uh, pre-teens, and uh, uh, getting professional gigs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, pretty amazing in the area where he was living in that vast area of Los Angeles. And uh, Bobby, of course, uh, later began to play with some very, very prominent musicians. And in the early 60s, uh, joined a band which landed him in New York City. And he began to make a name for himself as one of the new voices of the vibraphone, an instrument, of course, which was for years dominated by the great Milt Jackson and before that Lionel Hampton. Bobby Hutcherson had a whole new twist on how to play the vibes and yet he derived his style from Milt Jackson and he had that beautiful ringing sound on the vibes that uh, Jackson um, was a characteristic of Milt Jackson's playing. But Bobby Hutcherson extended that and of course began playing uh, straight straight ahead uh, jazz 
as well as joining uh, members of, of the more avant-garde movements uh, in jazz. And he was able to go between all of these stylistic worlds and uh, rather amazing. And he had quite a career in New York City. And in the late 60s, he decided that he wanted to come back to the West Coast. Um, he had gotten married and wanted to uh, settle, and there were lots of clubs and lots of gigs and so on out west, and he wanted to come back there, which he did. And he and his wife Rose bought a beautiful home um, south of San Francisco on Highway 1, and uh, they live there to this day. And um, Bobby Hutchison, of course, established himself there, and he met up with Harold Land, they, they, the saxophonist, um, and somehow uh, through those two generations, they hit it off. They had, they had very similar musical ideas. It was very interesting because Harold Land uh, was one of the most prominent uh, tenor saxophonists on the West Coast, and uh, he had, of course, established himself way back with the great Clifford Brown and Max Roach band, but then Harold um, came back to San Diego uh, and the West Coast uh, to take care of his mom. So he left that band. Sonny Rollins took his place in the Clifford Brown, Max Roach band, and Harold had to reestablish himself on the West Coast, which he did, and um, played with various bands and, and had gigs of his own and that kind of thing. But by the mid-'60s, when Bobby moved back to the Bay Area, Harold Land was struggling for work. Um, a lot of the clubs had, had closed. There wasn't a lot of, uh, of uh, lucrative work on the West Coast for jazz musicians. A lot of the clubs had converted to rock music. Jazz music was kind of being, once again, pushed aside, and Harold was kind of struggling. But when he hooked up with Bobby Hutcherson, they had... Um, kind of a, a magical uh, sound together, and they decided that they would form a band, um, a cooperative band between the two of them, and they would, uh, wherever they traveled to, they would pick up um, a good piano player, a good bass player, and a good drummer, and um, rehearse them, play the gig, and, and move on, and that's exactly what they did. So they stayed together for a number of years, and of course, the as I mentioned, the rhythm sections that they used changed wherever they were and whoever was available. So there were all kinds of people that passed through that band. Uh, great piano players like Joe Sample uh, played with, uh, and various other piano players. But for this particular recording, which is considered one of the best recordings that this band ever did, the pianist was none other than Chick Corea, who really scores on this. The bass player is a very, very fine uh, player by the name of Reggie Johnson. And the drummer was one of Bobby Hutcherson's favorites. Uh, they had worked together a lot in New York, Joe Chambers. And they recorded this album for Blue Note Records in July of 1968. And the album was entitled total eclipse. Now, they did a series of albums for, for Blue Note. Some were issued, uh, and then some were held back and, and stayed in the vaults for many years. They also recorded for uh, Cadet Records, 
um, which was out of Chicago. They also recorded for the mainstream label. Um, but this particular album, I think, stands a little higher than the rest of them somehow. Um, the music on here is just superb, and it is very modern music, and yet it is very, very listenable music as well. The combination of uh, Harold's tenor saxophone and Bobby's vibes is just uh, absolutely magical. And uh, they played in Vancouver. Um, they, in 1970, they came uh, to Vancouver and played at a club on Davie Street called Ronnie's River Queen, which was run by Ronnie and Shirley Small. And uh, Ron Small was uh, uh, one of our city's finest singers. And he and his wife ran this place. And they brought in Bobby Hutchison and Harold Land and their rhythm section um, for three nights. And um, it was uh, really an exciting affair, and it was great to to hear the band. They had with them uh, the great Walter Bishop Jr. on piano and um, a couple of other people, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. So um, we'll get to this recording. Once again, the personnel here, Bobby Hutcherson on vibes, Harold Land on tenor saxophone, and on one track he plays some flute, and I'll tell you about that one, uh, Chick Corea on piano, Reggie Johnson on bass, and Joe Chambers on drums. And this was recorded uh, during a gig that they had in New York City in July of 1968, and they went into the studio and did this album. So we'll get to the music right away. The first tune was written by Bobby Hutcherson. As a matter of fact, all the tunes here are written by Bobby, uh, with the exception of one that was written by the pianist, Chick Corea. So the first two tunes are Bobby Hutcherson tunes, and uh, we're, li- we're going to listen to the set in the order of uh, the way they recorded it in the studio. So the first tune that went down was a composition by Bobby's called Herzog. And um, <laughs> there's a famous photographer here in Vancouver named Fred Herzog. So this is probably not for Fred, but it's for some other Herzog. But anyway, that's the name of the tune. Herzog is the first tune written by Bobby Hutchison. The second tune is, is a great tune. I think it's my favorite track uh, of the whole album, and it's called Same Shame. And it's another Hutchison composition. Then we move to a Chick Corea, the one selection that Chick Corea wrote. And it's a great, um, very um, agile sort of a tune and um, not exactly easy to play. The tune is called Matrix. Then tune number four is very interesting. It's got a very simple lyrical melody. But then Bobby Hutchison... Uh, switches over to marimbas. You know what marimbas are? Okay, vibes the, uh, have metal bars. Um, marimbas uh, are set up the same way, but the bars are wooden, and so it has a, a, a wooden sound. And Bobby switches over to marimba, and Harold Land switches to flute on a tune called Pompeian. And it's kind of a free form thing, but it's not... Um, the music isn't threatening. It's quite uh, quite lyrical and moves in, in almost like free, like the wind. Um, it's it's quite uh, a lovely piece of music. It's called Pompeian. And the final tune is the title track of the album, 
Once again, a Bobby Hutchison composition called Total Eclipse. So this is the jazz feature for this evening. Once again, the personnel, Bobby Hutchison on Vibes and on that one tune, as I mentioned, on Marimba. Harold Land on tenor saxophone, and, of course, on that one tune, he switches to flute. Chick Corea on piano, Reggie Johnson on bass, Joe Chambers on drums. And our jazz feature, Total Eclipse, and the first tune, Herzog. Sorry for the delay. Uh, We'll get to it (laughs) right now. Here we go. Herzog. Thank you. 
our jazz feature this evening. A recording with the great Bobby Hutcherson on vibes and Harold Land on tenor saxophone. They were co-leaders, as I mentioned before, and they recorded a, a whole series of albums um, for various labels and uh, with different rhythm sections because uh, the two gentlemen in question always stay together, but they uh, always hired who was available at the time and that sort of thing. And, then, uh, and of course, there were so many great people around that they could uh, uh, pick and choose their appropriate rhythm sections. But for this album which I think was one of the high points of their recording career uh, as a band, is this album called Total Eclipse. And this was our jazz feature album this evening. Bobby Hutchison's on on vibes, of course, and he's the co-leader with Harold Land on tenor saxophone and and on one track on flute. Chick Corea on piano, Reggie Johnson on bass, and Joe Chambers on drums. And all this was... Uh, recorded in New York City in July of 1968. And, of course, the uh, the sound of the band was uh, very, very contemporary. And it was interesting the way these two gentlemen got together. Um, it was really, uh, you know, there's no real generation gap in, in, in music. And uh, if you have something, uh, older musicians play with young guys, young guys play with older musicians. In this case, Bobby Hutcherson was the younger by about a, a dozen years, and of course uh, Harold Land, the saxophonist, was of the earlier generation. But when they got together, they they had a, a mutual um, uh, chemistry together, and that's why this band was uh, was formed. And regardless of whoever played in the rhythm section, that sound of of these two gentlemen was always preserved. But this album, I think, was the their recording high point. And that's why we featured it this evening. So the tunes, uh, we began, uh, as a matter of fact, the, there's five tunes on the album and four are by Bobby Hutchison. So the first two are Hutchison compositions. The first one was called Herzog, and the second tune was called Same Shame. Then track number three was a Chicoria composition called Matrix. And... Then a very interesting tune where Bobby uh, switched over to marimbas. And as I explained before, the vibes have metal bars, but marimbas have wooden bars. And, of course, uh, the vibes have a metallic sound, obviously, and, <laughs> and the marimbas have a, have a wooden sound. And uh, Bobby switched over for, uh, for on this next tune uh, to marimba, and Harold Land uh, picked up the flute for this uh, sort of delightful excursion into uh, more kind of free jazz, and yet it was accessible. And uh, the tune was called Pompeian. With a, it opened with a very simple melody, and then they went into free improv for most of the tune, and then back to this simple melody. And uh, it was an interesting concept. And the final tune was the title track of the album, written by, again by Bobby Hutchison, Total Eclipse. So we hope you enjoyed the jazz feature this evening. And we will return in uh, a few moments right after telling you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 
101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're coming up uh, very soon after these important announcements with a very special guest this evening and some very special music and a very special film that we're going to talk about. So uh, don't go away. Hey, what's so sad? Oh, nothing, really. <laughs> Not very convincing, Jane girl. Whatever it is, I've got just the cure for it. One, two, three, four. Did you know CITR has a women's collective? This brand new collective is all about providing and fostering a community for women who are or who want to be in radio, fighting the gender disparity in media, and centering women's voices and issues. If you are a female-identified person or ally who's already involved in radio or wants somewhere to start, this collective is for you. Email womenscollective at citr.ca for more information and to get involved. And tune in Friday at 6 p.m. for the collective show, Lady Radio, featuring music, interviews, events, news, commentary. Basically anything we care to talk about. See you then. Well, how do you like it? There's only one word for it. Terrific. <laughs> you know, I'm so proud of it. It's almost indecent of me. This Quarter Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theater, This Quarter lives. Your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theater. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at rickshawtheater.com. A taste of the classics with a twist. Join me, Marguerite, with Classical Chaos Sunday mornings starting at 9, right here on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver, Canada. All right, we're back, and we have a very special guest to talk about a lady by the name of Nina Simone. You've heard of Nina Simone, I'm sure. And um, this evening I'm very happy to have as a guest live in the studio Mr. Jeff Lieberman, who has produced a movie, a documentary about the most interesting life of Nina Simone. Jeff. Hi, Gavin. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for All having right. me. Good to have good to have you on the show. Either people have heard of Nina Simone and love her, or they've never heard of her. That's sort of the uh, the usual reaction that I get. Um, but if you know Nina Simone, she's she's a pretty unique and amazing voice. And uh, the film I made is uh, a sort of a look into her life and career and uh, the songs that you may know uh, with much more detail information about how they came to be and what the, the message that she was trying to get across. Um, so that was my goal with the film, and uh, we're having a big Canadian premiere of it on Thursday night at the Vancouver Playhouse. So uh, it's been an exciting week. I bet. So interestingly enough, you're a, a relatively uh, young man. I, I remember being, being aware of Nina Simone 
um, in the early 60s. And of course, uh, she was, of course, alive and well and performing all over the world at that time. And, and uh, uh, there was a lot more um, of her music on the radio at the time as well. And, and uh, so I became aware of her, uh, not only just listening to the radio, but my, uh, my wife of the time <laughs> uh, turned me on to Nina Simone. She liked, uh, you know, quality vocalists. But I had been familiar with, you know, Billie Holiday, Sarah Vaughan, uh, Carmen McRae. Mm-hmm. But Nina Simone did something very special to me because with those other vocal, Ella Fitzgerald, with those other vocalists, you, you, you could say, well, they're, they're jazz vocalists. Right. Whereas with Nina, there's no real category there because no. she did such a variety of material, mm. everything. And she didn't even really like being classified as jazz, no. even though that's the category she would often be labeled as. Yes. But she was folk, she was gospel, she was classical, she was rock, she was R&B. She, um, she was so many things, and she could be all those things in one song mm-hmm. or, or one album at least or one concert. Um, but I, I discovered Nina similar to you. I was really into Ella and Billie Holiday and... Um, I was discovering her much later after her hits had sort of come and gone, um, but through compilation CDs. Um, and, you know, it was in Vancouver, actually, where I, I first learned of Nina. I was in high school here, and um, I would go down to A&B Sound or some of the other music shops and um, pick up jazz CDs, and Nina's Nimikitapa was on one of these compilations, and I was just taken. I was just... Um, you know, there was no real word to describe that feeling, but I knew there was just something so special here, mm-hmm. and that just led me on this journey to, um, you know, buying her albums and trying to figure out who she was and what she was about, and was this a voice that, it was just, you know, something that I couldn't quite comprehend at, at first, mm-hmm. and there was this desire to know this person. Interesting. Yeah, because her voice is so is so unique and and so dramatic, and so I, I remember we used to listen to uh, Pirate Jenny, mm. and I I was unfamiliar with the Three Penny Opera at the time, but through her uh, performance of that tune, uh, I had to explore the Three Penny Opera. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I eventually went to see a. a a live performance of of it, you know, because it was Nina who who made brought that to me. You know, she did such a great job of that too. And people who um, discuss that song in the film talk about how scary it was to oh, see it Nina yeah. perform it live. Oh yeah, I mean, she jumped off the stage and you know would put her finger in your face and say, "Kill him now or later." <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> and she would scare people, and she she enjoyed that drama and challenging people and. She was so unique in that respect. Right. There have been various books on, on Nina. I did read one only, and that was uh, Princess Noir. Mm. Uh, how, how do you feel about that book? That, that book was actually extremely helpful to me in my research. Oh, okay. um, it was you know, so detailed that um, Nadine Cahotas, who wrote that book, yes. uh, really didn't leave any stone uh, left unturned in a lot of respects. So it was a great jumping off point for me uh, to figure out a timeline and what was interesting and compelling. Um, 
I, I felt like Nadine was so detailed that she might have lost a little of the emotion and sentiment and um, overarching sort of journey. But uh, for me, I was able to take her work and expand on it and find the people that she mentions and and even some things that she um, didn't quite uh, explore fully. I, I managed to sink my teeth into a little bit further and explore some issues that I thought were interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the one who actually turned me on to Henry Young um, because I didn't realize that, you know, right here in Vancouver uh, was one of Nina's guitarists for several years. Um, Henry Young, who's uh, a musician that you know and uh, is a little bit of a Vancouver music legend. And, um, you know, when Nina came to Vancouver in 68, she met Henry and uh, Nadine was uh, was really instrumental in capturing that story. Um, and uh, was at the Marco Polo Club and Henry approached her and uh, he was a young guy and really wanted to play with her. And and uh, she ended up saying yes and uh, really set a whole journey off in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that book and Nina's book. Um, which really filled in a lot of the details. Um, Nina wrote a book in uh, the late 80s, early 90s um, called I Put a Spell on You. Yes. And um, while it wasn't always factually correct, the sentiment and the emotion and the feelings were definitely there. Mm -hmm. And I was able to combine um, the the two books and, and many other resources and interviews with over 50 people and sort of tell the whole story together. So it was a fun um scavenger hunt in a way you know putting all this information together <laughs> right right well that's interesting because uh i i have the book uh, i put a spell on you but i haven't started to read it yet mm. uh i read princess noir and i was very taken by 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 that book and it is detailed yeah it is very detailed it's very much like the uh, book that uh, robin kelly wrote uh, about uh, felonious monk yeah and um you know, you can you can say, wow, there's so much detail. Uh, there's also a book about uh, uh, pianist Bud Powell, who is one of my favorites, and mm-hmm. and and that book is incredibly detailed. And of course, uh, you you become almost overwhelmed with all the details. This happened, this happened, and that second happened. You know that sort of thing. But um, Princess Noir really, to me, was was uh, a book that was um, factual and real. Yeah, and um, because I appreciated Nina, then it 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 just enhanced my appreciation of, of her. But I'm glad it influenced you too. Oh, for uh, sure. I was thinking about that on the way out here that I would ask you about the book, and you might. I was hoping you would say, uh, "Yeah, it's a good book." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I met Nadine. Um, you know, I, she lives in D.C. and I live in New York, so um, that was one of my first stops in the journey of making the film. I really wanted to go talk to her and say, you know what did you feel like, you know, I could expand on? Or what do you feel like you missed? Or what did you think was really interesting? Yeah. And she sort of steered me in some interesting directions. She uh, she thought there was more to be discovered in Atlantic City where Nina's career really um, began mm-hmm. as a vocalist. Uh, that was a summer job that she had when she was still just a classical pianist. And she had gone down to the summer, summer resort area, played in this tiny little bar, and the owner of the bar basically said, either you sing or you don't have a job. And she started singing along with her piano playing. And she was so 
you know, um, a sh- uh, concerned that her mother would find out uh, that she was playing in this bar, which she was so what? dead set against. She was a re- she was a strong Christian, uh, okay. even a minister. Um, that she ended up changing her name from Eunice Wayman to Nina Simone, and so I I went down to Atlantic City for about a week and sort of dug around and tried to figure out who I could find or what was what was uh, in the archives in some of the places, and you know I found a few little nuggets that were interesting, including the um, the daughter of the owner of the bar who was able to give a much more complete picture of um, that environment and Nina's success and overnight success at the bar. And um, so that was helpful to have Nadine sort of point me in uh, directions. Isn't that interesting? Because that's a, that's a very important uh, focal point in, in Nina's life when sure. she did start to sing. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you can play in a bar all your life. Well, it, <laughs> I almost think of someone... You know, I I hate to put the two of them t- together, but I think of someone like who I think is talented is is Lady Gaga. Yeah, and that's what she she's a trained classical pianist, and she was working, and I think someone told her, you know, here's here's the way to get attention: wear crazy clothes, right, and sing, right, and uh, you're not bad. Just keep doing it, you know. Otherwise, you'll just be playing in in these kind of bars for the rest of your life and of course the rest is history yeah with nina simone of course uh it turned out to be very very different but again you know there was probably someone there who just said well this is what you have to do almost a bizarre accident an accident yeah, yeah because nina had no intentions of being a singer no none yeah and it was really because she didn't get into the curtis school of music Yes, that's right. That's yeah. very important and because of her race, really. Yeah, and I also argue in the film that gender might have been also an equally important factor. Um, uh, you know, there just weren't women in um, orchestras and, um, you know, quartets and that kind of thing. And I think schools were really interested in making sure that their graduates were going on to prominent positions. And so there might have been some sort of factor in... Um, in the selection of men over women. And you do see those numbers. Um, I interviewed uh, 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 a professor at, um, uh, in Boston who wrote uh, The History of Juilliard. And she, she, I had mentioned to her the fact that Nina thought race was the, fact, was the major factor. And she, uh, when I went to interview her, uh, suddenly came up with this theory about gender being uh, an equally important factor. And I thought, you know, if Nina Simone had known that um, possibility, it might have changed her whole perspective just a little bit on um, on on this whole situation because mm-hmm. till the day she died, she really felt like um, you know racism had affected her entire career. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it caused a lot of uh, a lot of anger. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and just frustration, disappointment. And fr- totally, and, yes, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she was so talented, you know, as a as a pianist that it was, it's hard to fathom that you know they wouldn't accept her. But, you know, the school I approached them as well, and you know they provided me with the stats. And she was one of three students. Um, she was sorry, she was one of seventy five students applying for three open spots that year. <laughs> so the numbers were tough. You know, the numbers were against her from the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We should hear some of her music. As yeah. a matter of fact. Well, we're going to start with probably uh, a tune that she is most associated with. And, of course, from 
the opera Porgy and Bess, mm. the love song. Mm. I love I love you, Porgy, or the, the song that put her on the map. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe we could. Why don't we hear Pirate Jenny? We'll follow that up with Pirate Jenny. Okay. Because yeah. I I like that, and then we'll go somewhere else, and and we'll chat some more. Good. All right. So let's begin with I love you, Porgy, Nina Simone. scrubbing these floors and I'm scrubbing the floors while you're gawking. Maybe once you tip me and it makes you feel swell in this crummy southern town, in this crummy old hotel, but you'll never guess to who you're talking. No, you couldn't ever guess to who you're talking. Then one night there's a scream in the night and you wonder who could that have been and you see me kind of grinning while I'm scrubbing and you say what she got to grin I'll tell you there's a she 
the black freighter with a skull on its masthead will be coming in. You gentlemen can say, hey gal, finish them floors, get upstairs, what's wrong with you, earn your keep here. You toss me your tips and look out to the ships, but I'm counting your heads as I'm making the beds, cause there's nobody gonna sleep here tonight. Nobody's gonna sleep here, honey. Nobody. There's a scream in the night, and you say, who's that kicking up a row? And you see me kind of staring out the window. And you say, what she got to stare at now? I'll tell you, there's a ship. The black freighter. around in the harbor shooting guns from her bow now you gentlemen can wipe off that smile off your face because every building in town is a flat one this whole freaking place will be down to the ground only this cheap hotel standing up safe and sound and you yell why do Yes, that's what you say. Why do they spare that one? All the night through, through the noise and to-do, you wonder who is that person that lives up there? And you see me stepping out in the morning, looking nice with a ribbon in my hair. <laughs> and the ship, the black freighter, runs a flag up its masthead and a cheer rings the air.
bodies that are saved, that'll learn ya. Those two pieces, of course, uh, the, the, the first one was um, from the opera Porgy and Bess, I Love You Porgy, and of course, as you said, uh, uh, Jeff, my, my guest Jeff Lieberman said that uh, that's the piece that put Nina on the map, really, and uh, that was on her very first recording, although this recording is from a, a Carnegie Hall concert. And um, then the second tune, of course, is from the Three Penny Opera, and it's very interesting um, because Nina was a great uh, um, civil rights activist. Mm-hmm. And this piece, Pirate Jenny, is in a way that the undertone of that. Here's this poor black woman working in this crummy hotel, mm-hmm. cleaning toilets and stuff like that, and she has these dreams. Mm-hmm. And then the dreams, of course, are, you know, and that's that undertone, yeah. you know. And she really transformed the piece from its original writing, as I understand it, which was originally set in, in Europe, I believe. Yes. And, you know, Nina makes it into, you envision some southern coastal, um, you know, area where slave ships were coming in or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and it was one of the few songs where Nina got up from the piano and would put on some some type of costume, uh, an apron, and, and sort of enact this role and, and really dramatize it. And, you know, usually she's on the piano for all her songs, but she would get one of her band members to um, play along with her. Right. And she would take center stage. And as we said earlier, it's just sort of frightening um but so captivating and it's a good example as well of the 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 spaces in the music that she uses the silences and uh you know uh just letting you sort of feel the the break in the music and anticipating what's coming next mm-hmm. and it showed her her absolute range my guest this evening on uh, the jazz show is jeff lieberman who has uh, created this uh, incredible film, which will be, I'll let Jeff tell you, wh- uh, why and where and how you can get tickets and everything else. Yeah, the film is called The Amazing Nina Simone, and um, it's playing at the Vancouver Playhouse this Thursday, just three days away, uh, June 16th, 
at 7 p.m. And uh, there's still uh, tickets available. The balcony, I think, is just about sold out. There's a handful of seats left. Um, but uh, there's tickets in the orchestra. And they can be purchased at AmazingNina.com, which is, again, uh, www.AmazingNina.com. And uh, not only is it the Canadian premiere of the film, uh, but there's a special concert uh, to go along with it uh, by the Henry Young Quartet, which is actually a quintet. And uh, uh, they're uh, bringing in uh, Candace Churchill, who uh, many people will probably be familiar with as a great Vancouver jazz vocalist. And uh, they're going to do a number of Nina Simone songs and really pay tribute to her. And uh, as we were saying earlier, Henry was Nina's guitarist for uh, a good number of years and toured with her. They went to Morocco. They went to England. Um, he was with Nina. He actually joined Nina um, uh, just a few days um, after Martin Luther King was assassinated. And um, they sort of did this historic concert um, at the Westbury Music Fair in Long Island in 1968. And... Uh, uh, Fortunately, that concert was recorded, and you can hear pieces of it, and it's just heartbreaking. But um, Nina really captured the emotion of the of the time and, and wrote this song. Um, or her bassist, Gene Taylor, wrote this song called Why the King of Love is Dead, which many people might, who know Nina might be familiar with. And that was written just days, in those days in between um, the assassination and the concert. And... Henry sort of tells the whole story in the film, and it's it's really uh, uh, a moment in history, you know? It's, it is. Yeah. It is, and a uh, very important moment in history. Yeah. Yes, and it's, it's really great that uh, um, Henry is able to do that. And Henry's uh, uh, such, you know, so well, well-spoken. He's told me a few stories about uh, his adventures with, uh, with Nina Simone, and... Uh, some of them are, are quite hilarious as well. <laughs> but uh, one thing he said, Henry, as, as we know, is, is of uh, uh, Chinese and Ukrainian ancestry. Right. And, um, and he identifies uh, more fully with the Chinese community. And so um, he was telling me that uh, uh, after he played with, with Nina, she said, you're not Chinese, you're black. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody plays like that unless you're black. So, you know, you're black, period. And, you know, and, and of course, you know, Henry said, well, <laughs> I'm Chinese and Ukrainian, you know. <laughs> but That's a compliment. Yeah, and she, and she said, no, 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 you're not, you know. And uh, so they had this repartee together, you know, but she, the main thing was that uh, she heard this uh, essence uh, that he has in this great blues feel in, in his guitar playing, which mm-hmm. he always has. Uh, Henry Young is really one of the uh, uh, legendary musicians of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And it's so great that he was involved with a lady, um, such a legendary lady like Nina Simone, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to be able to recognize and honor both of them on uh, Thursday night. I think it's going to be a really uh, special evening in in that sense to to you know pay tribute to Nina and Nina's visit to Vancouver and also to Henry and uh, I was it's you know one of the great joys of, of making films like this is the people you meet along the way. Oh sure. And 
Henry's been a lot of fun to to get to know and um and his wife Yvonne and uh, we've had some good times together and I've seen them perform downtown and uh they do a great show mm-hmm. yeah and of course having Candace Churchill there is really she's a wonderful singer yeah yeah, yeah absolutely we're gonna hear uh well, we were talking about uh, Martin Luther King and so on. Here's a tune, a composition, that um, was quite controversial for the time, and uh, we're talking about Mississippi Goddamn. Mm. And, of course, that was right in the midst of all the, all the turbulence down there. And um, Mina Simone... Uh, began performing this tune. It was banned on the radio and all this. Radio stations wouldn't wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. All this right. kind of stuff, and um, it really convinced her to continue being um, involved with civil rights and and speak her piece. Yeah, she know? found her she found her calling. You yes, know, with yeah. this song and um, her it, voice and making a statement about everything that she was seeing and. Mm-hmm. The death of Medgar Evers and the the bombing at the uh, the Birmingham church that yeah. killed four young girls. I mean, that song was written in immediate reaction to that in a matter of hours. Yes, and uh, it's a great testament to her songwriting and her performance and her and her ability to to take every single person in this country or the U.S. and and Canada too at that time perhaps um, to task, you know, for letting this happen. And for letting it continue to happen, segregation, racial violence, lynching, um, and how much courage must it have taken to call out, you know, states and governors and, you know, uh, um, white people in the south and white people in the north for sitting back and not doing enough. You know, she says things are going too slow and we're dying like flies. And um, it's really a very courageous and beautiful portrait. Yes. So let's hear it. Mississippi Goddamn. The name of this tune is Mississippi Goddamn. And I mean every word of it. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest And everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn Can't you see it? Can't you feel it? It's all in the air I can't stand the pressure much longer Somebody say a prayer Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest And everybody knows about show tune, but the show hasn't been written for it yet. Hound dogs on my trail, school children sitting in jail, black cat cross my path, I think every day is gonna be my last. Lord, 
easy on this land of mine We all gonna get it in due time I don't belong here, I don't belong there I've even stopped believing in prayer just about do I've been there so I know keep on saying go slow well that's just the trouble washing the windows picking the cotton you're just plain rotten You thought I was kidding, Picket lines, school boycotts, they try to say it's a communist plot. All I want is equality for my sister, my brother, my people, and me. Yes, you lied to me all these years. You told me to wash and clean my ears and talk real fine just like a lady. And you'd stop calling me Sister Sadie. Oh, but this whole country is full of lies. You all gonna die and die like flies. I don't trust you anymore. You keep on saying, go
Mr. Backlash, Mr. Backlash, just what do you think I got to lose? I'm gonna leave you with the Backlash blues. You're the one who'll have the blues, not me. Just wait and see. Well, <laughs> Nina Simone, yes, definitely a civil rights activist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, of course, we heard the very famous, in some cases infamous, I suppose, in certain circles, uh, Mississippi Goddamn. It's just, uh, you think about what's happening today in the United States, oh, and then a song like that. Mm-hmm. I think it still rings significant, and uh, things haven't really changed all that much. No. No, you know. And, of course, uh, the famous Langston Hughes song, Backlash Blues. And uh, just uh, hearing Nino, just uh, that voice and that that terminal vibrato that she had in her voice, that just, that just takes the tunes. <laughs> really, you know. It's hard, to, it's hard to explain it. It just has such an emotional effect. That line, you give me second-class houses and second-class schools. Oh, I mean, you know, that's really capturing the essence of so many people's frustration uh, in so many places, but especially in the United States. Yeah. Um, and why, you know, people get angry and frustrated and are in a system that they just can't pull themselves out of. Um, and, uh, you know, Nina was able to capture that, plus, you know, in um, Mississippi Goddamn, the, 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 the feeling that change was not happening and too slow. And they're just being told to take it slow. And it's like, we've been waiting for 100 years already for equality. You don't have to live next to me. Just give me my equality. Um, and that's the sentiment in Orlando, too. You know, you don't have to come to this this dance club, um, but just leave us in peace. And, you know, there's people who just can't uh, stand the idea of uh, something other than their, their, their norms or their fanatical views. No. So Nina Simone is very relevant uh, always. Yes. Yeah, it's so sad and uh, so upsetting. But... Uh, what isn't is the fact that this this movie is playing uh, here in Vancouver, and it's a, a real cultural event. And uh, once again, I'll just have you let the folks out there know uh, where and when. And I, I'm going to uh, uh, just say that it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. And uh, it enhances um, not only the the jazz show, but uh, just the fact that uh, um, I'm able to present some of uh, Nina Simone's great music. Mm. I've got a favorite piece for you, which we'll sign off with, but uh, I think you probably know what it is anyway. (laughs) But um, uh, my guest uh, tonight has been Jeff Lieberman, who has produced this uh, wonderful documentary on Nina Simone, and um, he'll tell you once again uh, where and when and how to get tickets and um, all that kind of stuff. Thank you, Gavin. Uh, yes, the film is The Amazing Nina Simone, and uh, it's premiering. It's the Canadian premiere, and many people have asked me why Vancouver uh, for the premiere, but uh, you'll f- if you come join us, you'll see uh, how special Vancouver is to 
myself and people in the film, Antonina. Um, and uh, I'm so excited and delighted that the film is going to premiere at the Vancouver Playhouse. And that's this Thursday, June 16th at 7 o'clock. Uh, but not only the film, but a special musical tribute by Henry Young and Candace Churchill. And Henry and I are going to do a Q&A after the film and answer questions from the audience. And um, there are still tickets left, and um, they can be purchased at uh, www.amazingnina.com. And that's uh, Amazing Nina, like Nina Simone, N-I-N-A. And uh, you just have to scroll down to uh, the info about Vancouver and uh, the tickets uh, are available for purchase right there. And um, even if you can't join us, uh, the film is now available on DVD and uh, can be purchased on the website there too. And uh, we're playing in uh, dozens of other cities throughout the summer uh, in the States, in Canada, Korea, uh, New Zealand. So... um, uh, check it out wherever you're listening, and uh, hopefully you can come join us for for uh, for one of the screenings. Well, it's a wonderful accomplishment, Jeff, and uh, um, I know you've got other irons in the fire too, <laughs> yes. which you're not talking about. No, <laughs> <laughs> this this one's enough. But uh, um, I'm going to leave you and the audience with uh, a tune that I think was very close to your heart. And uh, you'll know as soon as you hear the first few notes of it. Thank you so much for being on the program, Jeff. Thank you as well. Thanks for your contribution. Oubliez ces heures qui tuaient parfois à coups de pourquoi le cœur de bonheur ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas. Moi, je t'affirmais des perles de pluie venues de pays où il ne pleut pas. Je creuserai la terre jusqu'à près ma mort pour couvrir ton corps doré de lumière. Je ferai en demain où l'amour sera roi, où l'amour sera loi, où te sera reine. Ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas. Que tu comprendras, je te parlerai de ces amants-là qui ont vu deux fois le cœur s'embraser. Je te raconterai l'histoire de ce voir de n'en vois pas, que tu rencontrer. Ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas. Ne me quitte pas. On a vu souvent rejaillir le feu de l'ancien volcan qu'on croyait trop vu. Il est paraît-il des terres brûlées donnent plus de blé qu'en meilleur avril et qu'on vient le soir pour qu'un ciel flamboie 
very very famous tune by Nina Simone Ne me quittez pas or Ne me quittez pas my fractured French and uh, such a, a beautiful song and uh, it ends our feature on Nina Simone and our uh, interview with uh, Jeff Lieberman the producer of this uh, incredible film which will be as Jeff mentioned will be shown this Thursday at the Queen Elizabeth Playhouse, and uh, we'll tell you a bit more before we end the show again. We'll tell you uh, how you can purchase tickets and all that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, I'd just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, we're going to continue with some... Uh, well, a few messages, a couple of messages, and then we're going to come back with one of my favorite alto saxophonists and happens to be a dear friend of mine as well and uh, such a great player, and he's still alive and well by the name of Charles MacPherson, and we're going to hear some music by him from a wonderful album which has just been reissued and uh, a couple of great tunes from that particular album. But first... Hey there. My name is Callum Ng, the Executive Director of BC Athlete Voice. We are an athlete-focused organization helping British Columbia's athletes become their best. How do we do that? Well, if you're a BC athlete, we can help you with pretty much everything related to leadership, advocacy, and education. For example, we can help you find funding, start a new athlete group, or develop better public speaking skills. It's all at bcathletevoice.ca. And don't forget to look for us on Twitter and Facebook by searching BC Athlete Voice. Check it out. Are you looking for a volunteer opportunity that fits your schedule? Being a big sister takes less time than you think, and you can choose the volunteer opportunity that fits your life. Spend just one hour a week as a study buddy, tutor, or two hours a week as a big sister. Check out the various mentoring programs at Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland and find a volunteer position and a little sister that will suit you to a T. Visit bigsisters.bc.ca for more information today. All right, we're back. And uh, as promised, this album has just been uh, reissued. There's a whole bunch of uh, my friend Zeb Feldman 
has uh, um, is behind uh, the program to uh, issue uh, albums that were recorded for Xanadu Records, and this was a label that was uh, that existed in the 70s, and it was it recorded mostly great um, straight-ahead jazz. The 70s was a funny period for jazz because so many musicians were kind of forced into doing, whether they wanted to or not, if they wanted to record, they kind of had to record fusion-style jazz, uh, you know, with guitars and synthesizers and all that kind of stuff. And some musicians did a really good job uh, with it and (laughs) were quite successful with it, and others, well, it kind of uh, almost ruined their reputation. And um, but Xanadu Records didn't record any of this stuff in the '70s, and they they kept jazz alive, straight ahead jazz, and um, uh, they put out so many albums, and of course they they became very difficult to get, and almost became collectors' items. So uh, Zeb Feldman and and company have uh, decided to uh, embark on a whole reissue program of these wonderful albums, which were originally produced by Don Schlitten, who ran the original Xanadu label. And um, uh, so many great sessions are now available again, including this one by my good friend Charles McPherson. This is a a very, very fine album. Uh, Charles is one of the uh, great voices of the alto saxophone, is still alive and well, performs all the time. He's in New York all the time. He lives in San Diego. But he performs all over uh, all over the world, and this particular album was very interesting because he had never worked with pianist Duke Jordan before. Duke Jordan, of course, uh, was a leader in his own right, but of course he was one of uh, uh, pianists that worked with Charlie Parker, and uh, a great musician and wonderful a wonderful pianist. And of course, um, Sam Jones, one of the great bass players, is here, and Charles' favorite drummer of the time was a gentleman named Leroy Williams, who is still with us, and uh, he's on the date, too. And this album is basically an album of standard tunes. We're going to hear three of them. And uh, so Charles McPherson on alto saxophone, Duke Jordan on piano, Sam Jones on bass, Leroy Williams on drums. The first tune uh, is a great standard called It Could Happen to You. And then the second tune is uh, a challenging tune always to musicians, because of its structure, a tune called Lover. And the third tune, uh, again, having to do with love, is called This Can't Be Love. So three tunes from this uh, wonderful album. The album came out under the title Charles McPherson, Beautiful. And uh, that's his sound is beautiful. Charles McPherson, alto saxophone. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, we've given you a healthy dose of uh, the beautiful alto saxophone sound of the one and only Charles MacPherson. Charles, as I mentioned before, is still alive and well and playing all over the world and uh, still possesses that uh, gorgeous sound on the alto saxophone. He, he took the concept of Charlie Parker and molded it into his own style, but he took the lyrical part of Charlie Parker's style and um, brought that to the fore and created his his own inimitable style. Of course, he was one of Charles Mingus's favorite musicians, Charles MacPherson. And we heard him here with uh, Duke Jordan on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Leroy Williams on drums, all recorded in New York City in August of 1975, originally for Xanadu Records. And uh, we heard Charles do a a number of uh, standard tunes and um, did them so well. We began with uh, It Could Happen to You by Jimmy Van Heusen and Johnny Burke, and we followed that with uh, Rodgers and Hart's Lover and uh, another Rodgers and Hart composition called This Can't Be Love, and then finally a Gus Klon tune called It Had to Be You. Uh, Four tunes by Charles MacPherson from this uh, uh, album, which has just been reissued, and it's called Beautiful. And uh, certainly is. Great sound. We have something to tell you about, and uh, we're going to do that right now. Yes, of course. I mean, everybody knows that that's going to be all about the weather. And tonight is uh, mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of a shower. And then they say there's going to be periods of rain later on sometime after midnight with a low of 10. And then periods of rain tomorrow uh, until about noon and then cloudy with uh, spotty showers throughout the day. And it's going to be windy both days. And um, tomorrow, a low of 10 and a high of 14. Then Wednesday... Cloudy with a 40% chance of a shower with the same temperature, low of 10, high of 14. And then for the next few days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, a mix of sun and cloud with lows between 9 and highs up to 20. So not too bad for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then a bit of a downturn for Sunday, a mix of sun and cloud for Sunday, but a 40% chance of a shower with a low of 11 and a high of 20. So that's about it. A couple of things I'd like to tell you about, of course, is uh, two important websites. And I think the, mo- the most important website uh, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. We had, of course, our last week our um, jazz festival feature program with uh, the redoubtable media director of Coastal Jazz, John Orsick. And, uh, of course... We talked about the uh, the website, which is coastaljazz.ca. 
you can go onto that website. You can purchase tickets. You can find out the schedule of uh, not only ticketed uh, concerts, but uh, all the events at Frankie's uh, Jazz Club on Beattie Street. You can make reservations, uh, purchase tickets, and you can also find out about all the free stuff, which is around too, which is uh, part of every year's jazz festival. All the things are there on that particular website, and that's coastaljazz.ca. Very important. And um, just use the technology that we all have and check it all out, coastaljazz.ca. Another great website, of course, is uh, vancouverjazz.com. And uh, that's a very comprehensive and all-around website with all kinds of interesting stuff on there. You can spend a lot of time on, uh, on that website as well. Check it out. So two, two of them, very important, coastaljazz.ca and vancouverjazz.com. And uh, I'd just like to mention my good friend Ken Speller. And Ken repairs musical instruments. He not only does that, but he teaches as well. He has a great business called Music at Home, where he'll come to your home and um, teach you how to play the saxophone, the flute, or the clarinet. And um, he's an excellent music teacher and knows his stuff. And um, he'll also advise you uh, if you're interested in purchasing an instrument or renting one, um, which ones that uh, are good ones and which ones maybe are not so good, all that, all that sort of stuff. He, he knows uh, all about that. But another thing he does, and he caters to not only amateurs, professionals, uh, students, uh, he repairs these instruments because they all need upkeep, just like a car. Uh, you have to, you know, lube and oil every once in a while and do a tune-up. Well, musical instruments are no different. They're machines, and uh, they have to be taken care of, and uh, especially uh, reed instruments like clarinets, saxophones, flutes. Uh, they always need tweaking and uh, sometimes a complete overhaul, and uh, the guy to do it is Ken Speller. He's, uh, he's really, really good. He keeps his prices very reasonable because he has his workshop right in his home. And he's located uh, near Metrotown in Burnaby, and he can be reached at 778-800-1933. That's 778-800-1933. Or uh, if you prefer email, it's K Speller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. K Speller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. All right, we're going to get back to music. And now this is an album that I really like. And it's a, a group of musicians actually from uh, the Toronto area. Features... On piano, Chris Andrew. Uh, on bass, Cody Hutchison. And on drums, Carl Schwanick. And they're augmented by the Lily String Quartet. And Chris Andrew and company have kind of put together, as a matter of fact, all these compositions on this album. The album is called Hollow Trees. And it features the, well, what they call the Hutchison-Andrew Trio. And this um, string section, the Lily String Quartet, which is comprised of uh, two violins, viola, and a cello. And um, uh, Chris Andrew has um, arranged uh, and composed uh, this music that we're going to hear. 
we're going to hear um, two compositions uh, from this album, which is available um, on an album. It's called Hollow Trees is the, uh, is the name of the album. And um, we're going to... Uh, Actually, it was recorded in uh, Alberta. Uh, I'm sorry, I said Toronto-based musicians. These these musicians are based in uh, uh, in Alberta. Uh, my mistake. And um, I, I like the album very much, and I think you will too. So here are the are two compositions from this album. The first one is the title track, "Hollow Trees," and the second piece of music is called "Baroque." And they're both pieces composed and arranged by Chris Andrew, who plays the piano here.
We heard three tunes from this album entitled Hollow Trees, and it was um, all composed and arranged by pianist Chris Andrew, and uh, these musicians are all based in Alberta. Chris Andrew on piano, Cody Hutchinson on bass, and Carl Swanick on drums, plus the Lily String Quartet. And um, Chris Andrew arranged all of these songs um, to combine piano trio with the string quartet. And this album is uh, available on Chronograph uh, Records. And uh, just check it out. Maybe uh, just Google it, uh, Chronograph, C-H-R-O-N-O-G-R-A-P-H, Records. And very fine album. And we heard three compositions by Mr. Andrew. Uh, the first one was the title track called Hollow Trees. The second uh, piece was called Baroque. And the final tune was called Grey Dawn. Three compositions from this album entitled Hollow Trees. All right. We're going to change things up a little bit now by presenting um, a gentleman who is a rather eccentric musician, but he was... Uh, Definitely a huge part of the New York jazz scene uh, for many, many years until he moved uh, to Italy in 1972 and uh, uh, started to do world music and all kinds of different things. But uh, while he was based in New York, he was one of the finest clarinet players. And uh, there are not too many of those uh, guys that play modern jazz on the clarinet. I think, of, of course, Buddy DeFranco. We have Eddie Daniels today. Um, Tony Scott was uh, exclusively a clarinetist, um, although he did play other instruments occasionally. But he was most famous for his clarinet playing. And uh, he was a very, very individual um, sounding player. And here he is with his own group. This is recorded uh, live um, in concert in 1953. And uh, we hear Tony on clarinet with Dick Katz on piano, Milt Hinton on bass, and Broadway Sid Bulkin on drums. Now we're going to hear two tunes. We're going to hear a tune called Milt to the Hilt, and we're going to hear a tune called Homecoming, both compositions by clarinetist Tony Scott. Check him out if you haven't uh, heard him before, because he's worth listening to. Tony Scott.
Thank <laughs> you. 
Wow, some pretty wild and interesting playing by clarinetist Tony Scott. Performed live with his uh, working quartet at the time. This goes way back to uh, 1953 and uh, in New York City. Tony Scott with Dick Katz on piano, Milt Hinton on bass, and Sid Balkin on drums. We heard two tunes. Uh, the first tune was entitled Milt to the Hilt written by Tony Scott, and the second tune was called Homecoming, also written by Tony Scott. Well, we're reaching uh, almost the time when we're going to say good night, and uh, we'd like to remind you that uh, uh, we are the jazz show on CITR FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and just like to uh, once again remind you of this. Uh, we earlier interviewed Jeff Lieberman, who was the writer and director of a brand new documentary film um, that is having its Canadian debut right here in Vancouver. The film is about the singer, civil rights activist, and all around amazing person. And that's what the film's called, The Amazing Nina Simone. And it will be performed on, shown on Thursday at 7 p.m. at the Playhouse Theater, uh, downtown, 6600 Hamilton Street. Tickets are on sale. You can get them at www.amazingnina.com. www.amazingnina.com. And um, there's going to be a um, question and answer period. After the film, uh, there's going to be some music supplied by Henry Young and his quartet, along with the uh, wonderful vocalist Candace Churchill, and she's going to uh, conjure up um, Nina Simone, and of course, uh, she's a wonderful singer. So that's uh, what's happening Thursday, June the 16th, this Thursday at the Vancouver Playhouse, 600 Hamilton Street. All right. Our jazz feature next week is, uh, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't, oh, I think I know. I can't remember. I'll tell you in a minute. I will remember in a minute. But uh, uh, we'd just like to remind you that uh, we start the show every Monday night at 9 p.m. And we start with the jazz feature after uh, the theme and introduction. And our jazz feature next week was will be, um, as I said, I'll tell you in a minute, uh, but we're going to conclude the show this evening with something you've never heard before. And this is a piece recorded at the Blue Note Club in Philadelphia, November 17, 1956, with Thelonious Monk's working quartet of the time. With Mr. Monk on piano, the late and sadly lamented Ernie Henry on alto saxophone, Paul Chambers on bass, who was taking a vacation briefly from Miles Davis's band, and Willie Jones on drums, a young man uh, unrelated to Philly Joe Jones or Papa Joe Jones. He's just another, another Jones, but this time Willie Jones. And we're actually going to hear, believe it or not, after the piece is over, 
Thelonious Monk himself is going to talk and introduce the band and say goodnight because this is the last piece uh, of a set. And uh, we're going to hear Bemsha Swing, and then it's going to segue into Monk's theme song, which is Epistrophe. And um, after that's over, you'll hear Mr. Monk say goodnight and introduce the band. And that's something very rare. So check this out. And uh, as I said, this is going to be the last piece of music we play on tonight's show. Thelonious Monk and his working quartet with Ernie Henry on alto saxophone.
you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for being so kind to show up and listen to Ernie Henry on alto, Paul Chambers on bass, Willie Jones on drums, and myself. I hope I'll be seeing all you people soon. Goodbye. And there you have it, a very rare recording of Thelonious Monk and his working quartet as they sounded at the Blue Note Club in Philadelphia in November of 1956. And we heard Ernie Henry on alto saxophone, as Mr. Monk said, Paul Chambers on bass, Willie Jones on drums, and Thelonious Monk, of course, on piano. And Bemsha Swing was the uh, main tune we heard, then it segued into Epistrophe. Uh, which was Monk's theme song, always has been, and that indicated the end of the set. And uh, we heard a few words from Mr. Monk, which was very rare. He rarely talked to the audience. And, um, yeah, so this captures the sound of his voice back then. And concludes tonight's program. Now the jazz feature next week. Uh, Earlier on, if you were listening in the show, we did play... um, a whole group of recordings by alto saxophonist Charles McPherson. Interestingly enough, he is the jazz feature artist next week, and I think what we're going to hear next week is his very finest work. It's called McPherson's Mood, and it was issued on uh, Prestige Records, and it's a very, um, very wonderful portrait of the talents of Charles McPherson. He goes through a number of tunes, Uh, including original compositions uh, on this album. And uh, he's accompanied by Barry Harris on piano, Buster Williams on bass, and Leroy Williams, no relation, on drums. And, um, uh, excuse me, Roy Brooks on drums. And it's a very, very fine quartet album and gives you a really wonderful uh, picture of the talents of Charles McPherson, still one of the leading voices of the alto saxophone. So that's going to be our feature artist next week. So we hope that you do join us on The Jazz Show. We'd like to thank uh, you for listening this evening and thank uh, Jeff Lieberman uh, for uh, dropping by the station earlier and telling us all about his uh, new movie, The Amazing Nina Simone, being shown this Thursday, June 16th, at the Queen Elizabeth Playhouse. My name's Gavin Walker, and on behalf of myself and CITR and The Jazz Show, you take care, and we'll see you in seven days' time. Bye-bye. Ba-do-ba-dee-oo-doo-wee Ba-do-ba-dee-oo-doo-wee